knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And thanks for joining us, everyone. Once again, Big Dave and Joe, as we bring another show during the World Series of Poker, which is uh, about two weeks in now and rolling right along. Looking forward to uh, talking about a few of the results, uh, some of the things that are actually happening right now, and uh, what's still to come. So, uh, Joe, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, watch any of it or follow much of it. Uh, but uh, Unfortunately, my other job has not, because usually I'll get online and take a look at everything, but... Um, for me, always with the WSOP, unless it's somebody that we know, somebody's been on the show, you know, personal friend that we've known down here, gets involved and goes deep in a tournament, you know, I'll I, I just wait for the results. Well, the main event is where I really go crazy trying to follow it. The uh, There's several big events going on right now, including the eight-game mix, which I believe is uh, being uh, shown right now on Poker Go, so you can catch some of that. Daniel Negreanu's still alive. And uh, we'll be probably catching some of that after the show if we can catch the end of it. The Millionaire Maker underway, uh, 7,300 players, uh, which is a little less than before, but uh, pretty much on par, I would say. Uh, the uh, final count on the, uh, the, the Colossus, Colossus was, was about 13,000, just over 13,000. Wow, 5,000. 42%. Yeah, Ooh. From last year, 18,000 and some last year, just over 13 this year. Uh, but we'll look at a couple of things. But they didn't put out a guarantee like the 10 million they did no. that first year, no, right? No, except uh, there's a guarantee for first. I think there was a, a million first place, which just ends up screwing everybody else. That uh, if you have a small field and uh, <laughs> 513,000, you're looking at six, six and a half million. So we'll update a couple of these things, but I thought I would look at something really interesting, and you know, because obviously these leaderboards change, but the chip counts from the $10,000 buy-in Do Seven Low Ball Draw tournament. Okay. 33 left out of 95 players. You know, not a big, huge turnout. This is probably the uh, least attended tournament of the uh, whole series. Uh, you don't find too many under 100 players, but this one had 95 players. Uh, they're down to 33, so they've cut the field uh, by two-thirds. And uh, a guy you're kind of a favorite of, there's uh, one of your favorites, Galen Hall leading that tournament. But here's the interesting thing. Second place in chips, Todd Brunson. Wow. Third place in chips, Doyle Brunson. No. That's hey. shocking to me. Absolutely shocking to me. He doesn't play many events, but... Uh, him and his son are right there, second and third place, and a great, a great field. Dario Sammartino is third, and then you got other players, Brian Rast with a nice. And this discount. is the Do Seven. Do Seven Lobo. Paul Volpe, who's already won a bracelet this, uh, this series. John Hennigan still alive. C- Chris Ferguson, uh, Rob Mizraki, Eric Seidel, Darren Elias, Mike Gorodinsky, and John Monet. So how's that for a field? Very nice. And the buy-in on this was 10, 10K. So. so we'll keep an eye on that one. That will be very interesting. Uh, can you imagine if Doyle won a bracelet in 2018? Crazy. Uh, listen, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but with 33 people and him in third place in chips, 
I don't know if I I don't know if I'd feel comfortable betting against him. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on all these things, including the marathon, which is underway. Uh, kind of an interesting tournament with a 26-20 buy-in and uh, very long levels and that sort of thing. Some interesting uh, formats there. Uh, uh, one of the tournaments down to three players, the uh, $10,000 Dealer's Choice, six-handed, which is of N18, down to three players, uh, none of whom I've heard of. Uh, David Laka, Eric Blair, Jeremy Ween. And how many started that tournament? Uh, 518. Wow, that's a nice tournament. David Peters was eliminated in seventh place. Jake Schindler, uh, who lives down here in South Florida, was just knocked out in fourth. So uh, that's another one we'll take a look at. And, of course, this uh, tournament with Negranu in, which is bringing a lot of uh, kind of interest to that. So uh, that's the... Uh, and is the Colossus over already? The Colossus is over. Who won that? Uh, we'll get to that, I guess. Ah, uh, okay. I, I didn't, everything. I I didn't know you game. had that planned I already. Do. Uh, someone I never heard of won, but uh, that's, I guess, not too surprising. Uh, a lot of foreign players are playing, but a lot of Americans are winning these events. Kind of uh, strange here. But we'll keep an eye on some of those things. Uh, also, big news out of New Jersey today. Uh, just when I read a story today as I was doing the research that the governor of New Jersey was dangling a veto over the sports betting bill. Uh, had a few things he wanted to uh, extort from the uh, legislators. Uh, and it uh, was kind of iffy at that point. Then I get a uh, an alert from ESPN that sports betting has been signed by the governor and that they will start Thursday at Monmouth Park at 10.30 in the morning. We'll start taking sports bets. They've been uh, chomping at the bit ready to go, uh, to throw in a horse racing term. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I like that. But uh, a lot of the other places in New Jersey that will be online this summer are, are not ready to go yet. Uh, it's a lot of the casinos and the Atlantic City. There, and, and I'll stuff. tell you right now, they're not even worried about that right now because all they want to make sure is they are set and ready to go by preseason of the NFL. Well, Monmouth, as I think I mentioned on the show last week, wanted to be up by Memorial Day, a uh, big track day. Because, there. yeah, it was a big track day, but, you know, they're looking at the NHL and the NBA Finals and... Uh, yeah, which, you all, know, which they is wanted, all done now. They wanted to get in on that. You know, baseball is my first love as far as sports betting is concerned, to be honest with you. Um, but it's not, you know, it, it's not the, the big one, so to speak. Uh, it has fallen back. Um, so, actually, for, for these sports books like the, in Delaware and in New Jersey that have just started, this is kind of nice. It's kind of like a little, in my opinion, it'd be more like a little trial period as you as you get yourself prepared for you know uh the nfl, NFL preseason which is, which is king, futures obviously. taking futures bets um you know i don't know if they are uh in any kind of uh communications with people from vegas or any of the big online sites like crystal and stuff like that you know um or if they've hired their own you know, top dogs. That's uh, going to set. I'm sure they're that, in the process. But you know, you got to be Dave. What they, you know, what these people. Hopefully, I'm sure they already understand this. But you have to have the right guy, Dave, because believe it or not, in sports betting, people are looking for a very slight edge. And when it comes to football, I don't know if you ever did this, but if you've got, if you had multiple uh, bookmakers. And you had you someone. Shop the lines. You're shop. You're shopping the lines not because you're looking for the best line to get your your money in on one side, but because you're hoping 
that you get a, a and and this is how small a, a, a middle a, you're hoping to either get a side or a middle. Yeah. A middle is wonderful. It's so hard to get a middle unless someone has a really bad line or you got on something early right. because you had some information or a feeling on a line that opened, let's say, uh, six in football, and you figured the favorite was going to be. Uh, not having one of their top stars, so you know the line is going to come down, but that information hasn't quite become 100% public or confirmed. So you jump it on the underdog at six, and then you wait and see how far that line drops before you decide how much you want to come back. On the You're hoping in the middle. Under three, hopefully. But <laughs> top professional sports bettors are looking for a line as small as a half a point. Yeah, or a key number like a seven or a, a six. A seven or, well, you're looking at three, three and a half, or three and two and a half. Right. You know, those are those seven, six and a half, you know, although with the with the extra point having gone back, what was it, did it start last year? Yeah, it was last year when they went back or two years ago to the extra point went back from being oh, almost right, yeah. automatic yeah, right. to where now that's, it's that's changed it, the game big that time. has changed the game and I don't know if the sports books uh the lines makers have I'm sure by now they've caught up but I don't know if they did at the very beginning and and sharp sports betters will take advantage of that yeah absolutely and uh I remember the days I did the sh- the shows with Ed- Eddie Kaplan right oh, well, absolutely it. I saw a couple weeks ago uh, by the way oh how's he doing yeah, he's by doing the way. great he's doing great and uh, he used to have Roxy Roxborough on the show, who was really probably the premier line maker in the in the world at one point. For uh, what? For for, uh, for for out in Vegas for the different sports, a lot of different sports. But he was like a go-to guy for coming up with the initial line. And of course, it's a copycat world out there. Everybody waits to see what one of the major line makers makes, and then may adjust a little bit. But mostly, we'll stick with the numbers he comes up with. They will stay there, Dave. The adjustment is made depending on the amount of action that you've received on one side or the other. Um, only because you know sports sports uh, sports books are not in the business of of betting and taking action just just for the sake of okay I'm going to be on the other side you know they they they're hoping that large numbers come in as close to equal as possible because it's a no lose proposition for right. them yeah, exactly. with the juice exactly anyway we'll have some fun tonight looking at a lot of different things uh uh, I mentioned to Joe on the phone today, our friend uh, Chris Bolick, who we had on the show last week via tape after he won the tournament over at the Hard Rock, was actually the day two chip leader in one of the major events and then fell off a little bit and uh, ended up finishing 14th in, uh, I think it was event, uh, maybe event 12, something like that, the uh, $5,000. Uh, uh, Hold them? I don't see which one it is exactly. Maybe the... Uh, yeah, I can't even tell me here now. But uh, one of the one of the major events, he was uh, in there. I think maybe the big blind antis tournament. Uh, but uh, he ended up finishing 14th, but won 21,000. So uh, happy to see that. I'm sure he feels. I'm sure he feels good and bad at the same time, having the chip lead and finishing outside of the the final table. But he must feel good after his win a few weeks ago, and uh, you know, sh- coming in in the top 20. Top 15. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. it's a confidence booster to build on for going forward in the tournament. No question. Uh, a few other things we'll try to get to later in the show. If not, uh, we'll hold them off. But uh, uh, Poker Hall of Fame nominations uh, process is underway. And we'll see what happened. Of course, uh, 
we always uh, have our favorites, you know, and we saw a little bit of uh, uh, European influence last year with uh, David uh, uh, Uliot, uh, Devilfish, getting in last year, and then, uh, of course, Phil Ivey got in last year. Uh, some of the guys will be back again that were up there last year, including Matt Savage and uh, Mike Matisau. Uh, but we will look to see uh, who will be nominated this year. Of course, a uh, big article that I looked at uh, was complaining that there's just too many people uh, for too, for too few spots. And that uh, they I was just going to say, you know, they, they they definitely have a lot of people nominated. And, you know, unfortunately, they only take two people a year. Right. And they should change that. And I honestly believe they should definitely change that. They should change that to like baseball does, you know. You earn a, per, a, a certain percentage of of the eligible voters, and you know you should be able to get in. And guess what? If they don't have enough, then you either have one or none for that year. Right. Exactly. You know. Right. Uh, should be. The other thing, if I don't know if we'll get to tonight, but uh, the WPT, which of course is now on hiatus, uh, just got a chance to see Helmuth go head to head the other night with in the LAPC. Uh, the one he came in second. Came in second. Uh, finished second. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the fellow that won. I'm blanking on that. But uh, the guy who won the Player of the Year actually this year. But uh, and then they went on and started the Borgata for the next show. So uh, Borgata earlier in the year, uh, last fall, is up there now. But they are made. They have made an announcement. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, s- taking their own very uh, special November nine. So. When they get to the final table of a tournament, they're going to uh, stretch it out a couple of weeks, and uh, they'll they'll of course move to the uh, esports arena at the Luxor to p- play this out. So they're going to have a delayed final table at some of their events, and a lot of a lot of players are not too happy about that. Oh. <laughs> Sound familiar when the when the main event did that? Back? Several weeks delay, not not a, not a three months delay, but. But, you know, did, I don't know, Dave, but I don't recall too many people complaining after, like, that first, second year. No, I know November what you mean. Niner. I know what you mean. And, and you know, I, I didn't like it. I don't know how you felt about it when it first happened. But it turned into, uh, to me, as a player, you know, and I think I voiced my opinion on, on one of our shows back then, is if you're in that zone, you want to stay in that zone. You don't want to take four months off, three and a half, four months off. But, you know, when you look at it from a financial standpoint, you have, you know, advertisement opportunities, endorsement opportunities, opportunities to train against the, uh, your, 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 the other eight opponents that you're facing. You know, I, I just thought it was and, – and, and from the event side, I thought the build-up to it with the uh, Hall of Fame induction and all the other ceremonies that were going on, I just thought it was a a win-win yeah. for the most part. Well, I did I did as well. The thing about this one is they've decided to take advantage of this special arena out there, and uh, if they have a WPT tournament at the Borgata or in my in uh, South Florida or anywhere or Choctaw, you can't have the final table in in Vegas a couple of days later. You know, you need time for everybody to make their plans and get ready and set up their uh, entourage yeah, or whatever sense. they're going to bring in and. Uh, of course, uh, you know they can do things as far as coaching goes to get ready, and there's some there's some good things to it. But we'll talk about that a little bit later in the night. So uh, we're looking at a few things out in the World Series Boker. I want to run down some of the earlier results. 
I don't uh, want to spend too much time on that. I know Joe is not a big thrilled of, <laughs> of results. <laughs> it's but not my favorite. Yeah, no. but I uh, I like to kind of keep people up to date, and uh, I've kind of picked out some of the highlights and uh, things that interest people that I think listen to this show, and uh, certainly we'll uh, we'll we'll have some fun with that and try to uh, give you the high points and not uh, not stretch it out too much. But uh, we'll do some of that when we return. We'll take our first break on the show. We'll look at some of the current results and still, of course, 58 tournaments still to go, I think. So a long time, a good month to go still in this tournament. We'll see what happens. Uh, South Florida players doing very well, and we're enjoying that as well. So we'll keep an eye on those. We'll uh, be back with more of the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line here, and we'll return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I joined the National Guard for opportunity. Over 200 career choices and paid training. Money for college. A steady paycheck. Only one thing stood between me and my benefits. Basic training. I'm not going to lie, it wasn't easy. The obstacle course was really challenging. Now, I'm a National Guard soldier. I help my community. I can protect my country. I'm proud to be on this team. Because I got stronger. Because I got to go to college. The Guard helped me succeed. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask us how you can prepare for basic training. Twenty-eight players left in the uh, Deuce Seven Low Ball. So and five have been eliminated since we went on break. And the lo- and the uh, new chip leader is Doyle Brunson. Ah, oh, what I say? What I say? Four hundred seven thousand chips. His son Todd is in second. Four hundred four thousand. And uh, a lot of the big names still around. Uh, Chris Ferguson, one hundred seventy k. Rob Misraki has dropped down to one hundred five k. And one of the short stacks now is Eric Seidel. So uh, Mike Gordinsky is one of the ones eliminated. But the Brunsons won two in that tournament. So pretty incredible. Uh, we'll uh, look at some of the earlier results. Let's start with the Colossus uh, because, of course, that was going on last week. And a uh, little disappointed in the turnout, of course. But uh, 
Uh, maybe it's run its course. Uh, as we mentioned, 22,000 plus the first year, 21,000 plus the second year, 18,000 about in the third year, and then this year, barely over 13,000. So what do you think? Run its course? Yeah, it'll probably settle in somewhere <coughs> over the next few years, probably between 10 and 12. Yeah, well, if they have it anymore. I don't know. I, don't, uh, I guess I don't I guess I'm not sure why they would disc- discontinue it, but uh, the buy-in is five five sixty-five. Yeah, I know they don't uh, like that. Multiply multiply sixty-five times twelve thousand, um, and you're looking at the house fee because they're no longer guaranteeing a, t- a complete prize pool. They're just uh, telling you, okay, you know, um, we're going to guarantee a million dollars, a million dollars to um, first place. So, and as 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 I was speaking, that's that's the amount of money the house would make if there was twelve thousand people at the at the current uh, uh, current rate. Money. Well, so it's not so bad. You're looking at a little over three quarters of a million dollars at twelve thousand. Well, points. you have to look at their point of view is that they thought it was going to get bigger every year. Meanwhile, it has gotten smaller. Well, listen, uh, you know we always speak on this show about the tweaks that the WSOP does every year. You know, after everything is said and done, um, obviously it's dropped three thousand last year from twenty-one to eighteen, and now another four or five thousand this year. So, again, they're happy with it, but obviously you don't want to see numbers trending down, Dave. So, you know, their 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 brain trust is going to have to get together and decide: do we tweak this thing one way or another? Did the uh, non-guarantee outside of first place? affect the numbers, uh, did the running of the tournament, the way we handled it, that a large amount of players, did that affect the numbers? You know, the, their their brain trust has to get together and decide how to do this. We've seen them tweak si- certain situations over the last few years after each WSOP, I guess, getting feedback from the players, staff, everybody involved, and for the most part, they've gotten it right yeah. going forward. Well, I don't think the uh, you know they thought all these numbers were going to be up, and they're they're doing okay. They're they're, they're pretty much uh, they are up in some events. Uh, the bigger events uh, having a problem. The Millionaire Maker, uh, just by comparison, uh, they had a small day one a just barely over three thousand. Uh, if you want to look at those fields, they started in uh, two thousand fourteen in that one. And had the first year they had uh, 79.77, and then dropped off to 72.75, 71.90 in 2016 for, before going up back up last year to 7,700 plus. This year they had 73 something. So uh, that's kind of up and it's down. It's kind I of guess. been racing between like 67, 68 to 77, 78. Some years a little bit higher, some years a little bit lower. It could be the economy, yeah. uh, you know. Remember, well, you know the, you you've know expanded. The they've expanded. The, they expanded yeah. this. Excuse me, to seventy-eight tournaments now. Right. So you there's know. more options out there. Yeah. Exactly, which means some of your tournaments are going to have to pay the price. Now, remember, we've spoken on this show. You know, the other casinos in town are also trying to, you know, get their piece of that pie, and offering their own type of tournaments. So, you know, I. I can't imagine that they didn't affect the WSOP in some of their fields. Yeah, no question. Um, There's several great fields and obviously a lot of stuff to look at, but um, 
the uh, event number 22, which is the eight-game mix, and a lot of people look at that as being one of the great, uh, you know, evaluators of poker talent. Um, they are down to seven players now. John Raisner is still in that field, by the way, as well. And a starting field of how many? Of 481. And the buy-in was? Buy-in was uh, 1,500. Okay. That's but there was four no-names on top heading into the final day here. Uh, Negranu has snuck up now to second place. Uh, he is still alive. Oh, 980,000 chips compared to the chip leaders at 1.7. But uh, Raisner is the sm- short stack at 83,000. Oh, uh, yeah, that's real short. Matisau is out. Anthony Zinno is out. David Bach. Some of the other big names have all been eliminated. So we may have a, a new name to uh, crown a champion there. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um Let's look at some of the other events. And I, I started to talk about the Colossus when I got into the, the field size. But the winner was uh, Robert Lee Felicio of uh, Brazil. He ends up winning today or uh, last week with the Colossus. Uh, 13,070 players. The prize pool still was over $6.5 so nothing to sneeze at. But, of course, uh, you know, it's not quite the same. Uh, Scott Margerison, who won the big tournament down here in uh, at the Hard Rock, uh, the big showdown tournament uh, a few weeks ago, uh, was down to the final five. Uh, he actually uh, knocked out, I believe, uh, T.K. Miles, who finished second in the other tournament at the Hard Rock there last week. They lost to Chris Bolick. Well, they didn't lose. They chopped it. Evenly. Yeah, they chopped it. But uh, Miles ends up finishing fifth in that one. Margerison finished fourth. Felicio was the winner, though, and he defeated Sang Lu in uh, the tournament there. Uh, kind of an interesting hand. Uh, Margerison uh, made a great laydown against Miles. It was uh, very big. Uh, Whole Heel who's holding pocket sixes. And the board was six, queen, king. Uh, Miles check-raised all in. There was an ace on the turn. And uh, Margerison actually folded the the set of sixes, which turned out to be a great decision because uh, Miles had pocket kings. Ooh. But it ran into a serious cooler there. But uh, they played for almost three hours five-handed, and then Miles finally was eliminated in fifth. And they played another long spell of nearly four hours before Margerison was busted. Wow, nine hours for two players to for go out? two players to go out. Damn. That's crazy. Anyway, Felicio was the winner from Brazil, and uh, he wins a million dollars for taking that one down. Uh, and Paul Volpe was the winner of the Omaha High-Low Championship uh, Event 9, uh, his third WSOP bracelet. He defeated Elia Lesra, who uh, is a good friend and uh, hero of uh, our friend Robbie Straczynski. I know he just did a big interview with Ellie. And uh, one of the top players ever from Israel finishes second. Uh, they had the 365WSOP.com online event. Uh, they had just under 3,000 players for that one. And the winner of it was uh, William Raymond, known as Two Pair. Uh, takes home 154000 for the win there. All nine players at the final table were from the U.S., which is a little bit <laughs> surprising to me. Well, you said there's been a lot of Europeans, but Americans have been winning, so, you know. But again, 58 more events left, you mentioned earlier in the show. Exactly. Uh, Let's skip ahead to uh, event 15, uh, the horse tournament, always one of our favorites. Uh, Andrei Zigalov 
was the winner. Uh, they had a grueling day three, 14 hours of play. And then on day four, uh, they took just 20 minutes to finish things off. Uh, there was uh, They played all the way into the, late into the night. And the guy that I've met before, Timothy Frazen. Tim Frazen was the inventor of that game that they had over at uh, the aisle. I forget the exact name of it, Ultimate. Uh, the one where you play two hands. Yeah, you play two hands at the same time with two different dealers. Right. I forget what the name of that is. Do you remember what uh, the name of I guess it wasn't a big hit because I no, don't remember it wasn't. the name. It wasn't. I can't remember the name. But he's the inventor of that and was promoting that heavily, and it turned out to be uh, – well, Pretty much a bust. He thought, uh, as we thought maybe at that time, that uh, being that there were so many people multi-tabling tournaments online, that this would be a, a natural for those type of players. But it's, it's a completely different scenario when you're sitting at the table as to sitting at home and in front of your computer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, event 16 was the Heads Up, $10,000 Heads Up uh, Championship. And on an incredible heater, Justin Bonomo wins another big tournament. Uh, you know, not the huge uh, pay, uh, payday he had like in the super high roller, but uh, 185000 for heads up. And a very uh, distinguishing uh, win there to win that heads up tournament. Uh, along the way, he in the opening round, he drew David Peters, who was the WPT player of the year last year. And he defeated him. Uh, then he beat David Laka, and then Jake Schindler. Now, this was an interesting match. Schindler from South Florida, of course. Uh, you know, you figure these are two high-roller players that have played against each other a good bit, and you figure it's going to be a nice long match. But Bonomo s- practically stacks him on the very first hand. He had pocket sixes, Bonomo did, flopped the set, and then uh, there was, a, I think, an ace on the board and an ace on the turn. And his opponent had an yeah, ace in his yeah, hand. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Schindler got, got it all in. Well, it wasn't quite all in. I think he had a couple of big couple of lines left, but uh, it lasted like three hands. <laughs> then he defeated Neil Farrell, and uh, Mark McGovern went down next. And the final four, uh, some players maybe you haven't heard of, uh, Jason McConnon from the U.K., Juan Pardo Dominguez from Spain, and Martin Garretts from the Netherlands. Uh, McConnon defeated uh, his opponent, and Bonomo moved on after knocking off uh, Garretts, and uh, then the final uh, was won by Bonomo. He wins the heads-up event. Was that a 64-man field like uh, in the past? Actually, it was a 48-man field. They oh, wanted 60. I guess big. they didn't have enough that they came They had some buys. So they had to. Uh, they had kind of a strange setup there, and some people, I forget exactly how it worked, but uh, uh, let's see. I don't. I don't have the exact exactly what happened, but I know that there's some people had a buy, and then some people got their buy-in back, and it was a kind of a strange thing. But uh, uh, they finished that up. Uh, McConnon, uh held the lead in the uh, final. But uh, Bonomo took it over and went up by a 7-1 to one chip count and uh, ends up eliminating McConnon for the win. Well, like you said, Bonomo's been on fire. But but the the semifinal against Martin Garretts took 93 hands of heads-up play. Well. And Garretts had an 8-1 to one chip lead at one point in that match. Wow. So Impressive pretty, comeback then. Pretty crazy. 
meanwhile, the other semifinal only lasted 18 hands, so that gives you a little comparison there. Anyway, let's move on to uh, event 18, which was a $10,000 dealer's choice. Adam Friedman, the winner of that one. Uh, he ends up, uh, let's see. I don't have the other top three in that one, but uh, uh, Aditya Prosetto was one of the ones who went pretty far. Joey Cooden, who plays a lot of tournaments down here. Dylan Lindy and Ryan Miller. So uh, that was the win, 293000 for Friedman. Wow. Event 17, uh, just earlier, was uh, the No Limit Hold'em six-handed game. Nick Schulman finished third in that one. Joey Weissman from Boca finished in fifth, but the winner was uh, Agnian Dimov of Bulgaria. Uh, there was a field in that one of uh, 1,663 wow. entries uh, for that. Uh, oh, here's the Friedman one. And in 18, he def Chris Clodnicki, David O.D.B. Baker, and Marco Johnson all made that final table, but uh, Friedman was eventually the winner. Uh, event 19 was Craig Varnell winning the Pot Limit Omaha event, 565 buy-in. Uh, kind of a strange story of him. Four years ago, he was working at a car wash. Now he's playing poker for a living, taking home a, a bracelet. So I was uh, following. Uh, Jason was a uh, was a grocery bagger at Publix when 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 we got his number right before he got his big start, uh, supposedly. So exactly. Uh, Jonathan Duhamel also made that final table, finished in sixth place. Uh, they did an interview with Varnell after the event, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, he said he had a terrible run in the Colossus. He fired eight shells in the Colossus, which, of course, is only 565, but uh, never had any luck and uh, wasn't sure he was going to play in this event, but decided to play. And uh, he, going into the final day, he uh, decided to uh, come up with a game plan. And the way he looked at it, I, th I thought was pretty interesting. He said that... Uh, uh, he played super aggressive, and he would just try to run everybody over. He said uh, uh, everybody was folding right around the, the button to make the final table. And he said, I opened 90% of the hands and just accumulated over a million chips just raising without even having to see a flop. Wow. Well, that's what Phil Helmuth did many years ago. He's proven that's a successful, uh, <laughs> that's a successful uh, strategy. When people, especially if you know on your table you've got mostly amateurs or novice, you know, novice players, uh, I wonder what they would have done if somebody had fired back and gone all in on them. So, but, yeah, listen, that's what the top aggressive players do to accumulate chips. It's a smart thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And he says, uh, uh, he said players, the other players weren't playing bad. They just knew they had one hand in them. And they were folding hands they probably should have been raising. He said, I just took advantage of it, and uh, that's my M.O. I'm not as educated in this game as a lot of people. I just kind of have a feeling for the game, and I think it kind of gives me an advantage sometimes when people are so in their heads with math and uh, game theory. So uh, got the win there. So Craig Varnell wins event 19, and a couple other ones we'll check after the break are underway. The Millionaire Maker, and uh, also the Marathon is underway and the eight-game mix, which we'll keep an eye on as well. Okay, let's take a break on the show. We'll come back and uh, get a little further with what's going on. A couple other topics we'll try to discuss as well, and uh, we'll see what's still to come uh, in the near future next week uh, in the uh, World Series of Poker. Big Dave and Joe from South Florida. Don't forget you can always get the show 
on uh, SoundCloud. Great place to pick up the show on a regular basis. Go to the uh, Poker Fuse podcast page, or you can go to iTunes. You can go to the uh, Hold'em Radio Network. A bunch of different places to get the show. Apple Apple uh, Podcasts also carries the show. So uh, easy to find, and we hope you'll make it a point to be with us every week. No interviews tonight. Uh, we've had a couple of good guests, a couple of book writers the last couple of weeks, and we'll work on some other stuff, including Lance Bradley, who's the former... Uh, uh, editor of Bluff Magazine, who has a book out now called The Pursuit of Poker Success, which is basically uh, some very good interview questions with, uh, I think, the top 50 players in the world, so uh, in his opinion. Uh, we will go ahead and uh, see if what we can do to line him up. I'm sure he's very busy out there, but I think he is doing some interviews, so we're happy to have him on the next few weeks. Anyway, that's, uh, that's it for this segment. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe talking uh, poker as usual. Here from our palatial studios in uh, <laughs> Pembroke Pines, uh, our producer Gio Ochoa is always with us, and uh, we appreciate all the help he gives us on the program. Uh, <laughs> Joe, you wanted to mention something about our show last week. We had Sherry Bykowski on. She was a great guest. 
uh, written the book uh, The Kaizen of Poker, and uh, it was about continuous improvement in your game, and you really took it to heart. You took it home and uh, poured through it, and you're finding it to be a very interesting read. I, it really was, Dave, and and the reason I asked I asked Dave to, to let me talk about this uh, when we came back from the break now, um, I enjoyed immensely Sherry last week. I thought she was absolutely wonderful. Covered a couple of things, uh, you know, a few of the checklist numbers. I don't know if you want to call them chapters in her book or the checklist numbers that I thought were prevalent, uh, you know, that I, I asked her questions about last week. And great, great answers from her. You get them in her book. Um, and I was just, you know, so impressed and loved the way, you know, she wrote this book. And it was an easy read. And as a poker player, Dave, you have to, you know, the, there's so much learning to do in poker. Right. Especially from day one to the many years that I've been playing. The many changes that poker has had since the explosion of Moneymaker. The style of play that the younger, more aggressive players are. And it's a continual learning process. And, you know, in her book, what I have found is she gives you pretty simple, basic, hey, these are your checklists to go over it. And the more, I probably had read about half the book last week when she was on on with us. Um, And since then, I've probably just about finished the book. And, you know, I, I... I recommended it last week very highly. I, I, I want to recommend it even higher now because as a novice player, I think it's a must for you to have in your in your library of, of poker knowledge uh, just for you to realize what goes into trying to become a top-notch poker player, right. cash or tournament, and for the experienced player to go back over things that you may have forgotten, you know, as you expand your knowledge of the game, sometimes it's just as easy as going back to some of the simple, basic things. And like I said, uh, Sherry last week mentioned something that you go back and check some of these things off. Well, I highly recommend that to people, to, to players out there, to our listeners who are just starting to learn the game or novices and even those that have uh, you know, a few years under their belt uh, like I do. It's it's a great read and it's a great checklist for you guys. So I just wanted to mention that again. Yeah, I've just enjoyed you know her book greatly. So well, as I mentioned to her, uh, it's something that uh, I wanted to get a, a look at a little bit more too, uh, and have her back on the show, especially after uh, you know we look at some of the things that happen in the World Series and and uh, comment on some of the, the way uh, the preparation and stuff and, and what maybe some of those people need to do. Well, yeah, or, or what they did to get to where they got to. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. I, I, I'm I'm going to look very very much forward to seeing uh, to hearing Sherry on our show again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking at uh, still uh, Doyle in the lead uh, in the uh, uh, the eight game or not the eight game mix the uh, the uh, do seven low ball. Uh, still a ways to go on that one. Down Has to he increased his lead? Uh, no, still uh, got it the same. Uh, we had one player eliminated in the eight-game mix there, down to six. Uh, Jean Montouri was eliminated there. He lost a, a pot to uh, John Raisner, and uh, Raisner moves moves up to about fourth place now. So uh, still plenty to go there. And uh, also taking a look at the uh, 
the uh, marathon tournament, which uh, still has 1,300 players. A uh, big turnout there in that one. So uh, uh, the only thing I see near the top that kind of stands out at me was Lily Coletto, who uh, is from this area and then I guess lives over in the west coast of Florida now, plays in a lot of tournaments. Uh, she's in the uh, top five in chips. Very nice. Okay. A um, couple other things to mention. Uh, we'll see what we can find out with Lance Bradley. I d- would definitely like to look at that. I, I read a few of the interviews uh, with Jason and uh, Danielle Moon Anderson. They have all worldwide players that he's talked to over the years. Great idea for a book to uh, talk to them about how they have achieved success in this game. And just about five to seven questions with each player and their their. Inst- their uh, revelations about things that made them uh, successful in the game of poker. Well, listen, I, that's a great idea. Let's, you know, uh, wh- did did you get any of those questions in advance by any chance? To know no, what well, I, I do have the advance book of the book, so I, I could go back and look at some of the things. That'd but be nice. Every to, player was I different. love to know, you know, the, the the questions, how he posed them, and everything else. Right. So that book just coming out this week and uh, is already. Uh, I think the book leader of the any poker books that are out right now. So, a um, couple other news and notes I wanted to mention before we move on to some other stuff. Uh, Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa, uh, very successful poker room over there. I've been there. I uh, haven't played in there, but uh, that is the uh, number one room in the state of Florida, uh, even bigger than the uh, Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood because it doesn't have as much competition. But they are uh, starting on a uh, new expansion, a $700 million expansion. And uh, it's going to be uh, completed next, well, next summer, uh, mid, mid, mid-summer, which is going to be about the same time that uh, the big hotel down here in South Florida is done. It's going to be a pretty incredible year for the Seminoles and a uh, pretty huge uh, uh, job maker over there as well. So... Uh, look forward to that. We'll keep an eye on what's happening there. Also, uh, as far as Seminole news goes, the Coconut Creek Casino is now uh, on the schedule for two events in the circuit, uh, WSOP circuit. First one will be in September, September 13th through the 24th, and the second one later on, February 7th through the 18th. So they've kind of taken over both both, well, both events. Yeah. Took over the February yeah. for sure. Right now they got well, the they other really one. They have taken over both, to be yep. honest. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of success with the one last year, and uh, curious to talk with uh, Noah at, at some point and find out, you know, how how much they've missed that, or if they have missed it at all. I'd just like to talk to Noah. <laughs> it's been a while since we've gotten uh, anything out of Noah. Yeah, for sure. Um, a little too early to go over some of the predictions that people came out with and when, uh, see what the response to that is, but we'll take a look at that over the next couple of weeks. Um, the Poker Hall of Fame is, is something I wanted to touch on. Uh, right now... They are just uh, opening the voting for the public to nominate people. That's the first step, always, every year. Uh, Still sticking with their thought to uh, have ten vote-getters, the top vote-getters, to uh, send to the voting committee to choose the two winners. And we'll see what happens. The ones back from last year, I think I did mention a couple of them briefly, but... Was it uh, Mattisau was one? Mattisau was one, Matt Savage, uh, David Chu, Maury Escondani... Ted Forrest, Thor Hansen, Max Pescatori, and Huck Seed. 
So uh, David Choi is another one that I think has had so much great success, especially in the past. Um, you know, no matter how you feel personally about Mike Matisau, you know he has proven himself to be a great poker player. Um, I'm sure he's just to get nominated. He's met all the criterias that they need for you to even be nominated for it. So if he doesn't get in this year, I'm sure Mike will get in shortly. Um, just just because, regardless of his personality, he is a hell of a poker player. Yeah, there's a suggestion that they should have like a veterans committee, uh, you know, to like they do in the Baseball Hall of Fame to have something a little bit uh, different, where if players are on the regular ballot and don't make the Hall of Fame for a few years, then they kind of can get elected by the veterans committee. Yeah, and every year they take into consideration different veterans. I know in baseball it's you're like what is it 15 years on the ballot as long as you're receiving a certain percentage of the of the votes and then after that you have to go to the uh you know old timers committee i think that's a pretty good idea maybe that'd be nice you know you get at least two voted in and maybe one from the veterans committee and get three people elected every year would be nice right no question um we have one more break to fit in uh let's go ahead and do that now and then we'll finish up when we come back uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and uh, we will be back with several other things to close out the show when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show. We'll finish things up here with a little discussion on uh, this delayed final table uh, for the WPT. Uh, of course, two year, last year wasn't this past year, but the year before when they, or 
Last year was the first year that the November and October yes, played, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so not obviously it's not just this year, but last year. Uh, they played it in July, right at the end. Uh, of course, Scott Blumstein winning the tournament. Uh, um, it's a long grind there. They can kind of understand that they might have some time off, and they, it was very successful for years. But again, these things run their course. And I can remember Elon Schwartz in the beginning was very upset that they had the November 9. But most people, as you mentioned, were okay with it. And uh, it created something interesting, an interesting dynamic. It, it it did, Dave. And the reason that Elon was probably upset with it was for the same reason I was at the beginning. You know, if you're a poker player and you're, you know, you're in that zone, so to speak, because once you've gotten to that final table, you've done something, obviously, very correct to, you know, navigate through six, seven, eight, nine thousand people, uh, whatever the number is. So, you know, you don't want to wait. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, I think the benefits far outweigh the, you know, the, the negatives for for waiting. You know, it, it, I thought it was proven to me and to a lot of people, but I don't think the WSOP ever, did they ever come out? I don't recall them coming out with a statement stating as to why they, why they it, did it, why they came back yeah. to what they used to have. Because in the old days, I think they would take a day or two off. I think now they take what, like, Three days off, I think, before they start the, I think, the I final think two table. days, maybe it's just two, two days. days I think. So it's gone back to practically where it used to be, you know. Once the numbers started getting way up there, um, you know, I'd love to get an explanation. I'm sure that somebody made a statement or a comment somewhere along the line, but I don't remember reading it or seeing it anywhere. I don't know if you did, Dave. No, I didn't really. Uh, you know, everybody has a different opinion on some of these things. They went to, uh, in a recent interview with Darren Elias, who won his fourth WPT title, they asked him about his thoughts uh, on uh, the WPT doing it. Uh, it's going to be like a, not every single event, but six of the nine televised events, I guess, are going to be delayed. They don't even know the exact time frame of it, uh, maybe three to six weeks. But they will obviously move it out of the city that it's been in to have the final table in Vegas at the Luxor at the uh, eSports uh, arena. So, uh, you know, their their reasons for doing it is that, uh, you know, first of all, um, you know, you can acquire sponsorships and uh, they'll have a chance to build their narratives and do their interviews and put it together, which is good. Uh, but... Uh, Players can also get coaching, which uh, they asked Elias about it, and he said, "He said I'm I'm, I'm against it." He said, I, "In any poker event, he said I think who you are at the start of the tournament should be the same as who you are to finish the tournament." Uh, he said, "When you delay final tables and players get chain, training, hire coaches, can improve a lot." And uh, he says, "I think you should be have to play it out as is." I I I would have agreed with that. <laughs> I would have agreed with that before the November nine uh, took effect. And as a matter of fact, I did agree with that back then in, in that respect. Um, but like I said, I don't see too much of a downside to the November nine. I think I think the other thing they're trying to do is because it's in this big arena with a lot of lights and color and everything, and and they want to try to turn it into more of a spectator game. Well, it should, Dave. We've talked about getting, you know, corporate sponsorship for these tournaments, trying to grow the poker brand, so to speak, you know. And events like this, where you have time to build up, you know, the advertisement, get sponsorship, you know, the everything that, you know, all the positives that you could do 
to make this a a a, a true large event uh, needs to be taken advantage of because I I just think that down the road if we get all these things it's just going to be better for the poker players in that particular tournament and in any other tournament going forward because if we have success in a huge tournament sponsors get the response that they want from from the people who are watching this show um, you know and it becomes a a rating success so to speak then you're going to get sponsorship for lesser tournaments you know, p- people are going to see an opportunity to get into some of these local poker rooms, may take advantage of this by running whatever, quote, like we have here with the aisle that started doing all these things, getting sponsorships, which could add money to the prize pools, which would only increase the the amount of entries that are in there, Dave. Like I said, if you want to make this the brand that a lot of people are hoping to make this a national brand, quote, a, a sport Okay, and go national with this thing. This is something that I think is in the right is taking the first step in the right direction. For well, I, I think one of the things you have to think about that that probably people haven't is that sometimes in these tournaments, you know, wherever it is, Choctaw or some smaller place, maybe in a small town, you might get a, an amateur, a local amateur that makes the final table. Now, three weeks later, he has to uh, fly out to Vegas and put everything together, maybe get off work, and uh, may not be a full-time pro. Uh, so it can affect some of those people. I'm sure they're, I, I'm sure they're happy because they're going to make the this, money. Put it this way. I don't know if they have restrictions with people wearing shirts, but if if you or I were to do that here a few years ago, I, do you think it would have been an issue if you had gone to any of your bosses uh, or your boss? To get the time off to said, go play poker? Get the time off, wear a patch, you know, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I had this conversation with 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 our GM yeah. of when I had you know I was hoping to do something. I said, listen, if I have success in this particular tournament, you know I'm going to need time off to go, you know, do this, do that, and that wasn't even without leaving the uh, the area, you know. And I had thoughts of, hey, wear a patch of where I work, the casino I work in. You could always find a way around that, and guess what? If you know that going in, Dave, that's what it—that's what it's got to do. Think about it. You get corporate sponsorship. Who goes to Choctaw unless you live in that area? Right. Now it becomes something much larger where they're televising the event. It, it becomes an event somewhere right. where you want to go. Well, now you know Choctaw is not like Miami, where <laughs> where we have the beautiful weather, the beaches, and everything else. But if you can draw an extra 500,000 players to come in to play in, in, in these tournaments, again, it just keeps growing the brand. And, you know, you just see a, nothing but upside towards this. Yes, like you said, somebody, uh, an amateur wins this. But if I'm an amateur going into one of these tournaments, well, if my dream is to win this and then go play in the, cha- in the tournament of champions, I'm going to find a way to get that time off regardless. So I don't see that as a huge deterrent. Well, it's good for obviously for the WVT, and I don't think there's really a downside for them. Uh, they don't have to build these final table areas at the whatever tournament they're at. They have this built-in final table arena that's going to be there and, and for them to use. Obviously, they want to promote that area with the Luxor. They've got some kind of deal going on there. 
And, uh, you know, let's face it, the players maybe go play the final in uh, Las Vegas. They may not have to pay as much taxes as they might in another state, depending on where the tournament is and that yeah, sort of thing. Hey, listen, again, the experience and the dream, Dave. The dream is that you get a chance to win millions of dollars. And if that chance is afforded you through playing in this tournament of champions, listen, we always talk about people who are backers in this in this industry, you know, you prove your your worth, and all of a sudden you got somebody backing you in tournaments. Like I said, the upside has so so much more to offer than what the downside tries to take away. At least in my opinion. Yeah, we'll see what happens, uh, as Trump would say. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for our show. I uh, one of the things I want to talk about next week, uh, if we get a chance. Uh, obviously. The big news today with New Jersey passing their sports uh, betting Jersey. bill. Jersey. <laughs> and uh, expecting to actually take their first bets this Thursday at Monmouth Park, 10.30 a.m. And, of course, all the other places that will be Damn. going online. Delaware uh, was all ready to go, and they had already been grandfathered in. And, uh, well, and they, they've, they've already taken, started taking bets. Monmouth so. was less than an hour drive from the house, about you know 50 minutes. And Atlantic City was about a two-hour, two-hour and ten-minute ride. So I would have loved to have been back home and uh, getting down there and getting some some legal action on, on one of the baseball games. Yeah, no question. Or uh, the World Cup, actually. Well, that is a big one for a lot of people, I yeah, think. Sir. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what kind of gambling they do on the World Cup out in, in Vegas, but I'm sure. Same as same as they offer in uh, in uh, in England. No, I know, but I mean, I'm I'm wondering. Oh, you mean uh, volume? Yeah, volume compared to other sports. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see what uh, what they do this year. But obviously, this is. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's more popular than it's ever been. The sports here. bars in in this in South Florida between Broward and Dade are completely full during the World Cup. I'm, I can I can tell you that. I mean, I've been to these areas, and I'm like going, "What the heck's going on?" And all of a sudden, it's a World Cup game. And it's, you know, at least down here, it's huge. So, I, again, volume-wise, I'd love to know what they do, like you said. Uh, Doyle Brunson just picked up a big hand uh, against uh, Mikhail Zlotnik, uh, and actually eliminated from the event, and uh, Brunson up to 470,000 chips. Uh, let's see if I can get an update. Brian Rast has moved way up the uh, list. He has 410K. And let's see, the other uh, Brunson, I don't even see him on here. So I don't know. You mean our favorite guest of all time? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Don't see where he stands, but uh, I can tell you Doyle is uh, the chip leader in this one. And uh, the other tournament uh, that we were talking about, down to five players, another player eliminated there. Uh, John Raisner, still the the short stack, but uh, hanging in there. Daniel Negreanu is still in second place. And we'll report on all these things next week for you when we were back on our next edition of the show. That's going to do it. Joe, thank you as well. Gio, and we'll catch you guys next week out there uh, in Radioland. We'll catch you on another edition of the show here on Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.